It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Bryant Gumbel. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. We don't know if it was a commercial aircraft. Now, by the entire ABC network, uh, Good Morning America was in progress in the East Coast and the Midwest, but we're joined by the entire network just to show you some pictures at the foot of New York City. This is at the World Trade Center. Obviously, a major fire there, and there has been some sort of explosion. We don't fully know the details. There is one report, as of yet unconfirmed, that a plane has hit of the World Trade Center, and you can see that there is smoke there coming out of at least two sides of the building. And we do have some breaking news that we want to bring you right, and we're going to go to a picture, a live picture from New York Hey, everybody. City. Welcome back a to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating documentary films about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. I'm Amber Archer, co-host of this show, and joining me is my husband, Mark Archer. Here on the buttons again. Here on the buttons again. Got somber buttons today. Yes, today is a it's a it's a rough day. It was it was you know we just finished going through. I don't want to say celebrating, but just remembering nine mm-hmm. eleven. Yeah, two thousand and one. Yeah, and I know this is this is airing a few days after nine eleven, but I think it's important <clears throat> to to just remember. Um, it's already you know I read an article just this morning that said that um, uh, only there's only maybe a dozen states that require 9-11 history to even be taught mm. in the schools. Wow. And I think, you know... And it's not even that long ago, honestly, when you think about it. Yeah, it's really not. <laughs> it's really not that long ago. So I thought, you know, we, we were, when we were watching, so over the weekend, we sat down with our girls Mm-hmm. And who are 12, 10, and four. 12, 10, and four. And um, there was a documentary film that came out, I think, one year after 9 11. It was, it's yeah, called 2002. Yeah, it's called 9 11. Documentary by the Naudet brothers. Naudet. Naudet. Yeah, so it's, it's a documentary. If you haven't seen it, you can. Um, we'll leave a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, you can watch it on Amazon. And DVDs are hard to find of it um but i bought it on amazon and uh so they these two brothers were working on a documentary about a rookie firefighter Mm -hmm. in new york city and how they become a man right and uh so they they had been working on shooting this film and they just so happened to be filming on Mm 9-11 and they were with i forget the the uh, fire station that they were with, but it's the fire station in New York that that services the World Trade Center, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's one of the most amazing—I uh, say that reverently—amazing films that I've ever seen because it's very raw. It's, yeah, it's very raw. This is not the film that they intended to make. Nope, they were making a film about you know a young man becoming a man by going through firefighting training. And I think it was it was interesting. One of the opening lines that one of the brothers said is, uh, "You know, God allows you to document history." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think about the things that we do. Yeah, it's um. There are a few 
uh, a few films that I can think of that when you, and I can think of an experience in our, in our film careers where we've had this kind of thing happen where it only happens once and you only get one chance to get it right. Yeah. Um, 9-11, the film that we're talking about is one of those. You can't, you, you just, you can't recreate this. No. Um, Nor would you want to. Nor would you want to. It's, it's a really, I, I highly recommend it. Um, they, the, the one brother was actually inside the world trade center Mm -hmm. with the firefighters watching them try to set up a command post and, uh, you know, figuring out that the elevators weren't working and just, just the raw confusion. And they were inside the one tower when the second tower fell Mm -hmm. and trying to get out and, oh, and the, just the. The endless sound of bodies. People jumping. People jumping. Those were 110-story buildings. Yeah. Jumping out of the buildings and hitting the top of the atrium. Uh, You know, and it was interesting because when they showed towards the end, um, they started digging for people after mm -hmm. both of the towers collapsed. And and I was curious. I didn't didn't realize, and I did a little bit of homework here um, after we watched it on Sunday – that there were actually 20 survivors yeah, out, of, out of that rubble, but 2,803 people perished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I think of films like that where it only happens once and you get a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, another one that comes to mind is called Citizen Four, mm. which is about uh, Edward Snowden. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, that is that is one of the most profound films, I think, almost as profound as 9-11 because of the, just the nature of it. You know, it was. Well, you got to give people a little bit of background on. Well, so Edward Snowden, if you don't remember, he's the one that, that was the NSA leaker. And he's the reason why we know that our federal government spies on everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And I think we've forgotten that because let's not forget nothing has changed. Right. The NSA, FBI, CIA, they listen in, they spy on everything. And he was the one that exposed it. He, he leaked, you know, documents that I find it interesting that basically verified what was ridiculed as conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Right. Big it's cons- listening, yeah. Right? It's conspiracy theory until it comes true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need new conspiracy theories because all my old ones came true. Right. <laughs> um, so citizen four is what that one's called. Uh, it was directed by Laura Poitras. Um, profound film because mm-hmm. when you watch it and you realize what what how how life changing those events were, mm-hmm. you know, and you only get one shot at that. They're the ones that interviewed him uh, in a hotel room in Hong Kong, I think. And then you know he's he's still on the run. He's still a wanted man. He's a wanted man. He lives in Russia now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of. You know, the one experience that we had when we were shooting Inwood Drive. Yeah. And we had nothing to that scale, but but the Lord orchestrated for us to be here at home um, when, by all rights, I should have been in Illinois covering a press conference yeah. about George Klopfer. 
And for for those of you who don't remember, we uh, did a documentary film about uh, the abortionist who had three abortion clinics in Indiana, our home state. Mm -hmm. And we were documenting how he was shut down because it was this seven year battle. Yeah. And just it was really incredible to to be able to go through and document the history of how it didn't take it wasn't the president or the Supreme Court. It was local laws Mm -hmm. that needed to and ordinances that needed to be passed in order to get him shut down. And he eventually lost his um, license, but then he died and over 2000 fetal remains were found in his home and car Mm -hmm. abandoned car at a, at a, um, what kind of lot was it? It was a storage lot. It was a storage lot. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we had the film done once Mm -hmm. and then, uh, we actually had screened it for our supporters and then, um, what a few days after that, we found out that George had died Mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out how to incorporate that into the film. And then we get the news that they had found the babies. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, from a just, I guess, kind of an inside baseball look, the, the first the first pass at that film we did was basically all historical. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a rush on anything. So in other words, you're, you're interviewing people that are telling you about things that had happened seven to 10 to 20 years earlier and trying to support all the interviews with historical archival footage we're licensing things from news stations Mm -hmm. things like that and we had interviewed george in his clinic and with we had what we thought was a pretty good film then it shifts into now there's this whole other story unfolding Mm -hmm. that's attached to what you've already done (laughs) so you go into basically news gathering mode Mm-hmm. And so you're you're kind of reacting to what's happening and just trying to document. So there were a lot of times where it was, you know, hey, this is happening. So-and-so is going to do an interview on the radio. Let's go and grab it. Right. You, know? so <laughs> you run down to the radio station and park yourself in a corner and film somebody doing an interview in real time. I mean, it's a different skill set. It was intense that. during it's, that it's period. Intense. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> uh, and, and it's interesting, too, because... It was in that moment when I realized that the way that uh, the way that I came into filmmaking was through broadcast television, mm-hmm. and so I I've worked enough in that fast paced broadcast broadcast TV realm. I know how fast it is, and it always drove me crazy. And I went, I don't want to work in broadcast. <laughs> I want to do movies where you can take your time. And then when you're doing you know, documentary film like that. And suddenly it turns into broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're just running and gunning. But there was this day where we were supposed to be in Illinois. Yep. Everybody was up there for a big press conference. Right. And what did I say the night before? I don't, I'm not going because I can always source the footage from someone else. right? Right. Well, and it was really interesting because the night before we met with a reporter out of Chicago Right. and it just so happens that she wanted to do the interview at 
the um, the Right to Life Clinic next Which door. right next to Clopper's Right, clinic. right next door to the abortionist. We're like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, we got a hold of people over there. and But then we get this text message late at night and, and it's, hey, can you come earlier? My camera guy, right. it needs to come into town. Right, he's coming early. And we're like, oh, okay. So what was supposed to be a 10 o'clock ended up being like an 8, 8 o'clock? Yeah, it was like, eight, yeah. I think it was eight or eight thirty, so we were there at eight. Yeah, and there was a <clears throat> there's an SUV sitting in the parking lot of the abortion clinic. The abortion clinic, and I walked over there thinking it's the videographer, and it turns out to be a guy from <laughs> Curtis Hill's office. You know, the the attorney the general. attorney general's office. And we figured out in a pretty short amount of time that they were going to raid the clinic. Yeah, and because everybody, including me, I would have put money that there were more babies inside the clinic yeah um and so i drove home as fast as i could and got my camera and and we were there rolling when the cops were rolling in yep and when they knocked down the door and you can see it all in in wood drive in the film and when you watch that (laughs) that's the story there i mean we were the only ones there with a camera just as the lord would have it you know the lord allows you to document history yeah it was funny because we we literally got the scoop on every single network yeah Because all the because in Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne's a big enough market. There's affiliates for ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and they were all they had all sent their crews to Illinois. Yeah, and but not the Archers. <laughs> <laughs> Rebels without a cause. And the, and the police kept trying to move their cruisers around so that I couldn't see. Yeah, and I kept jacking my camera up higher and higher, and I had and I. I had just enough lens. And we had just the right shot. Just the right it shot. It made it into the film. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> we said, yep, that's a win. Yep, that was a yay for, yay for the Lord on that one. Yeah. Anyway, but back to um, 9-11. It all goes back to that, just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. What were you doing on 9-11? I was an office manager of a plumbing company. And so I was sitting and entering entering receipts and things into the system. And we had a a TV in our office with the news on. And I'll never forget the owners rushing in and like, just, we have to stop what is going on. And instantly it it was sort of just shock. Mm. Even here in Indiana, we were just kind of shocked at what we saw happening in real time on the television. And then we watched in horror as the second plane hit, hit the other tower. Yeah. And right. so, you know, and I think all of America watched that. Yeah. I think everybody, everybody saw the second one, the yeah. second hit. Mm-hmm. Not very many people saw the first one, maybe on replay, but I think the only people that saw it live were the people there on the ground. Well, and the brothers who were doing the documentary, right. they captured yeah. it. They actually have a shot of it. Yeah. And they, they talked about how you never hear planes in New York right. flying that low and it was so loud and you could hear it in the video footage that mm-hmm. they took and that's in the in the film and you know he points his camera right back up and there it goes yeah it's awful yeah so i was <clears throat> i remember my my life was sort of in a state of flux uh at the time i had just moved into my first real office and i was um living at home with my mom and dad at the time because I was just trying to do one thing at a time. So I was just putting everything I had into 
having this office space and trying to build my business, trying mm-hmm. to build this this studio. My mom said something to me, and I went downstairs and I turned on the the TV because I was living downstairs and living in mom's basement. <laughs> hey where's one of your buttons i need a (laughs) man you are one pathetic loser (laughs) you know whatever works right we didn't know each other at this time it was well the truth was anyway i was i was (laughs) trying to work out my life and uh i remember watching it uh there at home and uh I was actually in the middle of uh, producing a spec sitcom, mm. and so I mean between between doing that project and trying to flesh out an office space, and I just all I needed was just some place to to sleep. So I just really didn't care. Yeah. And uh, I remember when you know nine eleven happened, and then we were shooting on the weekends. And so it was very strange when we all came back together that that next Saturday mm-hmm. to film. It was very somber. Yeah. Did it change your life immediately or was it something that You know, I I wouldn't say that it 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 did. I th- because I think it was so far away and I was still so young, mm-hmm. naive of the world and didn't really comprehend the what had just happened. Yeah. I was just, it it didn't really dawn on me for a, a while. I remember going out, driving to my office, and I remember how desolate the streets were. There just mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of traffic. Yeah. And everybody who was out, you could just sense everybody was very somber. Everyone was very kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was truly a, a very different America. In that moment, it, it was like that for a few days, and then you know what's so sad, and I, th- I think about that, and it's like we need, we don't need something like that. I just wish people would put themselves back into a state of kindness, mm-hmm. loving each other instead of all of this constant bickering, and but it's just the wickedness in the world is yeah. is is what continually drives it. Yeah, I remember the the. the the, the strangest thing that happened was um, a little over a year after that, I was in Africa doing a documentary film. And we we were filming with a big group of, so we were filming at a uh, basically an orphanage in Uganda. And one night uh, we were filming with a bunch of the kids and then we, we kind of finished our filming and the kids all wanted to ask us questions, all, all the Americans, right? Mm-hmm. Especially an American film crew. They'd just never seen anything like that. And the first question that we got was, uh, what was 9-11 like? Mm. And I thought that was very strange. But trying to explain to them, um, because they're living in, you know, in Uganda, another country. in another country, and they yeah. don't. To try and explain to them, the biggest thing that I remember is how quiet the skies were because mm. we have aircraft all the time. I yeah. mean, even where we live, we're in the traffic pattern. There's always jets flying over the house. Mm-hmm. And they don't 
really have that there. <laughs> There's like one airport in yeah. the whole country. <laughs> and we were about three hours from it. So it was, it was very, it was very strange, you know, cause you could see that they were kind of looking at, I was trying to explain. I said, no, you don't understand. We have jets all the time, all mm-hmm. the time flying over. And on that day it was just quiet. Oh yeah. When they ground everything. Grounded everything. Mm-hmm. It was quiet and no, no airplanes. And they, they're kind of going, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, you realize they're just this, uh, this divide mm-hmm. between cultures but so was there anything that hit you from watching the documentary yesterday it was just it was just a really it brought back a lot of emotion mm-hmm. and you know taking it to the ground level i i remember where i was mm-hmm. you know that day september 11th 2001 and it was just sort of like it was just reliving sort of those early moments of disbelief and shock Mm -hmm. and it just the horror of it. But seeing where we've come today Mm -hmm. and uh, praise God that there hasn't been another catastrophic attack. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting to see the kind of the perspective of our kids yeah. And as they're watching it and the questions that they had. Yeah, we had to stop several times because there were many questions. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're you know, they're trying to understand because they weren't there. I right. think I think that was the interesting thing. And it's and it's what's so interesting about history because what we do and especially right now with all of the research that we're doing, we are studying times and and events and eras before we were even born. And so it, it was for me, it was interesting to see them not know anything about 9-11. Yeah. And yet we were there and lived through it. Yeah. So so it was really try, explaining history mm-hmm. to them in a way that they could see and, and have this tangible sort of reality. Yeah, it was interesting to, you could see the, you know, the what they're looking at because it was shot, you know, over 20 years ago and the technology has changed. So oh, yeah. there were not, there weren't smartphones. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the video resolution is not as good right. as what they're used to and thing, you know, it's just, so it's to them, it looks like an old, old. like old <laughs> video. Like, what is this? Um, and the, you know, the dress isn't too different from how we are now but you know i remember yeah yeah we had cell phones and still used pagers and um things like that but there were when you watch the the enormity of what went down yeah and you realize that there is just very little in a situation like that that anyone can do to help you you know the people that were up in the towers that were above where the planes hit they were, it was done. Yeah. There was no, there was no escape. Well, it was, it was interesting though. The one tower that they were in and the people who got stuck in the elevator above where the plane had crashed. And when they finally came down, they had no idea. Mm. They had been stuck in there so long that they didn't know why their car stopped. Yeah. And then they finally came down to the ground level and opened the doors and they're looking around wondering what happened. They, mm-hmm. they had no idea. Yeah. They, they were stuck in there the whole time. Yeah. It was really, uh, really eye-opening. 
I, I, I think that the, the one thing that I remember, um, you know, feeling this, I think as, as a man feeling this, this swell of patriotism and wishing that I could do something about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and if I had been able to enlist, I probably would have, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody wanted to go to war at that point. I couldn't, I mean, I, I I knew I wouldn't pass the physical because of my, my knees. (laughs) Right. And I had already, I had already made my decision early in my twenties that I was not going to go into military because I wanted to make movies. Yeah. Right. Um, so I remember feeling this kind of jealousy, uh, in that moment of guys that I knew growing up that went into the military and I thought now you're in the fight. And I really felt, uh, when I went back to work that weekend, basically trying working on the sitcom and it really felt pointless. Mm. Yeah, it really did. I thought, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, I think everybody kind of looked at their life and said, what am I doing? Yeah. Because things can change in an instant and yeah. you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah. And you know, we, we, we consoled ourselves by, and the truth is in that moment, there's nothing wrong with doing something that's not war fighting. <laughs> I mean, war is not life. You have to, you have to have we were, we were trying to make something that was funny, right? To entertain, make people laugh, take their minds off of things for a while. The Lord gives us, we are all one body in many parts. The yeah. Lord all gives us different things to do. Yeah. You know, it, that's our job as, as believers to, to link arms, mm-hmm. share the load, do what the Lord has the, with the, the gifts that the Lord has given each of us to glorify him yeah. and come together and use those gifts. So, yeah. I do remember, though, that that was, it really woke me up to realizing how fragile our whole system is. Yeah. And it's it's what inspired me to join CAP a couple of years later. Civil Air Patrol. Patrol, yeah. They were one of the few agencies that actually were in the air, you know, what, even once the towers went down and they, they mobilized pretty heavily. So I wanted to be part of that. And, yeah, you know, that's it, it did inspire some life choices for me yeah (laughs) but uh anyway it's an important thing that we stop and pause and remember you know the sacrifices that were made there there were thousands of people that didn't realize they were making a sacrifice that morning as they yeah went to work and the families who are left behind yeah yeah so anyway just wanted to take the time to remember 9-11 and encourage Everybody who's listening, if you've got kids, um, to talk to them about these things. Don't yeah. let these things be forgotten. We've got a whole, you know, next week we'll get back into talking about the people that are trying to erase America. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good pause opportunity for us to pause and remember things that have made America and the good and the bad. This was, this was our Pearl Harbor. Yeah. So it's important that we remember and we pass on to our children the things that happen. Mm-hmm. So.